Please open your Bible to Matthew 28 and Jeremy is so good to ask me what's the name, what's the scripture and brother I left off a very important part. It's actually Matthew 28, 18 through 20. So if you would please change that and blame this preacher. He sometimes gets excited, gets his tongue wrapped around his eye teeth, can't see what he's trying to say. I want to talk this morning about the historic position of Baptists on baptism. Because they call us Baptists not because of how good our casseroles are, or how handsome our men and beautiful our ladies are, or how rich we might happen to be, or how intelligent or erudite we may be, or anything else, but the fact that our enemies started calling us Baptists because we made a big deal about water baptism. It's really interesting because there's a broad spectrum. There's some folks out there, you ask them about that, well, we don't do that because that kind of makes people feel like there's us versus them. So they don't even do it. And then the other people make such a big deal over baptism that if you're not baptized, you're not saved. They'll tell you that flat out. Well, the problem with a road is for every mile of road, you got a mile of ditch on either side. We want to keep through the middle of the road. We want to know what God's Word says. And sometimes, well meaning even some well-meaning Baptists, they talk about church authority. But look at verse 18. It says, these are the words of Jesus. All power. That word means authority. Yes, he has the strength. He has power in that sense. But it's not talking about strength. It's talking about the authority. When the policeman says stop in the name of the law, oh, that's old Joe. I know him. It's not old Joe. It's that uniform. It's the authority that he has. Jesus said, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. I got news for some people. He didn't relinquish that authority. He still has the authority. We do what he tells us to do because he's the one that told us to do it. So what does he say? Go ye therefore... And, excuse me, I'm a loss with these things sometimes. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, literally make disciples of people who thrive on what God has said in His Word. What has He said and how has He said it? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. What say the scriptures about baptism? There are four main areas we need to think about. The first is the who, the candidate. Who is a proper subject to be baptized. Now, however you say it, uh, it, it's the same word. And then we want to talk about, secondly, the mode, the way in which it is done. How, where, can, where ought you? Is it a specific thing? Well, I believe the Bible teaches something very Specific and a lot of people they just throw that one out the window like they throw out the first one. And then, thirdly, the design, the motive. What is the rationale behind baptism? And then, something that I didn't learn until further along in my Christian life who is the proper administrator? Because if you have a checklist, one, two, three, four. You'll find some people, they disqualify themselves before you finish talking about number one. And some people, okay, they're right there, but they're wrong on number two. And they're wrong on number three. And some people are wrong on number four. You want to be four for four. Now, I don't know a whole lot about baseball, but 
I, I do think they don't count it as a run unless you make all three bases and make it home without getting tagged out. Is that right? That's how that works. So let's let's make a home run in the truth. What is the proper candidate? Well, we we know no works can, no works will ever save us. It's made very clear. When the Philippian jailer came to Paul and Silas in Acts 16, he said, What must I do to be saved? You're right. Well, we got a long list of stuff to do. No! They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And if your friend, your family member, your co-worker, or your neighbor, they say, now, what's this deal about salvation? You can give them a good, succinct, scriptural answer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So, you got to believe this doctrine. you got to have this right. You have to go through this ceremony. You have to be at this place. No. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You must be a believer. And one very important thing to remember. We've got all the sign out here. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to His mercy He saved us. I'm sorry. That's Titus 3. Similar to that of course is Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of or so. It does not come from you. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Not a one of us. That's why I love the word suspenders. Not a one is going to walk around heaven. I made it. I did it. I checked the right box. I prayed the right prayer. I knew the right people. I was in the right place. Doesn't work that way. What is the example of the New Testament? Well, in Matthew chapter 3, John... And by the way, he wasn't John the Methodist. He wasn't John the Lutheran. He wasn't John the Presbyterian. He was called John the Baptist. Isn't that interesting? And somebody said, well, uh, you're a Baptist because of John the Baptist, and I'm a Catholic because of Peter. No, you should be a Christian because of Christ. Amen. I'm, I want to be a good Baptist, but more important, I want to be a Christian. I think, I think H. Boyce Taylor said it so well. He said, if Baptists are right, all Christians should be Baptists because everybody ought to be right. If Baptists are wrong, no Christians ought to be Baptists because nobody ought to be wrong. How do you work against the logic like that? But in Matthew chapter 3, here was John, and you know, sometimes people say, well, we're all religionists, we're all going to the same place. And the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, they went down there, and they said, well, let's get in line, maybe we get this thing too. And, oh, I'm so glad to see my brethren from the from the uh, unilateral council or something like that. No. He called them sons of snakes. You bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. In our language, is there some evidence that there's been a change in you? Is there anything to declare that you have indeed been saved? And that's a very important thing. A distinction that needs to be made. I want you to think about something. Our great example is Jesus. Matthew 3, the latter part of the chapter. It tells us that he went to be baptized. Was Jesus the Son of God before he went to John to be baptized? Sure he was. That baptism didn't make him the Son of God. And if you're following Jesus, baptism won't make him the Son of God. You need to be baptized because you are the Son of God. You need a, a good argument there it is, right, right there in uh, Matthew three. And I want you to know that uh, the order that was followed in New Testament times. You go to Acts chapter two. The apostles knew to follow the example of Jesus, and there were thousands added to the church in a single day. What a tremendous work of the Lord! Look as I said. Chapter 2 of Acts, verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word, that's important. You said, I don't want anything to do with that book. I just want to be neat to get baptized. Wrong candidate. But those who did gladly receive his word. This is God's word. This is what God said. This is what he requires of us. And sometimes we pass over some things. 
And sometimes we try to wheedle out of some things. I'm going to ask Brother Cody to help me preach this sermon just a little bit. And I want you to see that there are some people who go to great lengths even to deny a part of this book because they have a problem with God's order, God's way. And sometimes they'll even say that's Christian. What's it say though? Acts 2, 41. They that gladly received were baptized and that same day there were added on them about 3,000 souls. What would we do if the Lord were pleased to save 3,000 people? Baptize them. We've got to get a bigger boat. We, we'd have to build a bigger building, wouldn't we? That's not really a problem too much for churches that honor the Lord. We're, we're glad to have a full house or anything close to a full house. We're glad to have... We made church here with two people. Didn't we? Kenny and wifey, yeah. I, I had two to preach, too. That's preaching to me, too. How many angels? I don't know. A bunch of them were there as well. But it's important. In Acts 9, it tells us as soon as Saul of Tarsus was unblinded, he went and was baptized. We had a prominent family in the church in Benton. I'm going to change the name just a little to protect the innocent. I'll call them the Elroys. You know who I'm talking about. And a young... Was he Andrew's age? Was he... Andrew's age or Mary's age? Rebecca. Rebecca's age. Okay, I'm looking my age. Okay, same age as Rebecca. As a grown man, he came to me. Can I talk to you after church? Sure. So uh, we were in the back, and he said, uh, Well, Steve, I want you to baptize me. I, said, I can't do that. Okay, wait a minute. You, you, you can't baptize me? I can't baptize you. And he said, well, are you too good? Am I not good enough? I said, you haven't told me you're born again. Oh, how come I told you? Well, I am. Well, that's a horse of a different color. I'd be honored to bring you before the church. And we uh, baptized Andy. And I uh, heard just this week, Still in church, bringing his wife and kiddos. Important that we understand that it's the same people that are to be baptized. Think he was taken aback. Well, I said, "Well, I can't." But that's one reason why no infant is an acceptable candidate for baptism. Andy has an aunt, and her name is Judy Elroy. And she came up in a different communion. Starts with the you know what I mean. And uh, the, her mom and dad were of that persuasion. And so when she was an itty bitty, younger than a little red here, she was, as their group said, baptized. She got to be about 20-ish, and the Lord saved her, and she was attending a Baptist church, and they said, well, if you're saved, you need to be baptized. And she said, I've been baptized. When? Well, I was just kitty-bitty. My mom and dad told me about it. No, you need to be a believer. You believe? Yeah, I believe. Okay. So they baptized her. And uh, I'll get more onto that in a little bit when we talk about another one of the requirements. Number two is immersion. The, the Greek word that is used is baptizo. And it literally means, if you look it up in Mr. Strong, it's uh, what, number 907. To dip, to dunk, to immerse. Mr. Strong, who wasn't Baptist, said it means to be whelmed. Literally, to be made fully wet. Not just a little bit sprinkled someplace. Not just a casual consideration. It's a serious commitment. Now, James, as the king of England, was the head of the Church of England. And they were already committed to 
sprinkling rather than pouring. And so when the translators came across baptizo, they said, Your Highness, uh, uh, we don't want to mess with God's word. But at the same time, it does say that there's supposed to be dips, don't, immersed. Well, I know we don't do that. And we don't want to confuse the people out there. What should we do? And he said, well, you guys know how to work with words, don't you? Uh, why don't you just uh, come up with an English word? We call that transliteration. You just take a word from another language and, and bring it over. And that's why people say, hola, amigo. And they're trying to speak Spanish. Well, they said, well, if it's baptizo, let's just say baptized. That way, if you think immersion, then you read baptized, you're thinking it was immersed. If you think it's pouring, then when you hear baptized, you'll think pouring. If you think it's sprinkling, then, okay, baptized, then you think sprinkling. Make everybody happy. God's Word was not written to make everybody happy. I got news for you. It was made to make you happy. It was made to make me happy. We're to conform to what God has said. Right. Not trying to make God and His Word conform to what we want. That's, that's of course, a big part of the problem. Now, it is interesting... Matthew 26, 23, as Jesus was instituting the supper, they had food there, and he says, tonight one of you is going to betray me. And they which one? Which one? He says, I'll tell you what, it's the one that I take this big chunk out of the stew, I'll baptizo it. No, they didn't say baptize, they said dip. They were honest in their translation of baptizo in that place. But when you see the word baptize in King James, I mean, I still think King James Version is the best one we got in the English, but you need to know that uh, they, they, they shaved off here and cut a corner there because they had to answer to the king. After all, the king's going to authorize it. He doesn't want to be made too, too uncomfortable now, does he? So, immersion is... So, Number one, must be a saved person. A candidate must say, my faith is in Jesus Christ. And secondly, the display is to be a full immersion, a dunking. That's why I don't come out with a little cup. Who wants to be baptized? No, it doesn't work that way. I don't come up with a little vase and pour it on somebody's head. No, we got us a tank. How many gallons in that tank? I'm not sure. It's a bunch, though, isn't it? <laughs> Enough to put me all the way under, so it's got to be a lot of water. All right. It takes a little over an hour to fill it up. Takes an hour to fill it up. It'll probably take at least an hour to drain, huh? All right. But you'll notice that uh, when Jesus was baptized in Matthew 3, uh, he went to John, and John didn't get out a hose and hose him down. He just fling a few drops at him. No. They went down into the water and then they came up out of the water. He was dunked. In Acts chapter 8, and uh, this is a passage that I want you to keep in mind. I'm going to ask, like I said, Brother Cody to help me in a little bit on this. In Acts chapter 8, Philip meets this Ethiopian eunuch right into the desert. And the man's in his chariot reading the scriptures out loud. Didn't have a clue what it meant. And Philip dared to say, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I accept some man dying me? And so Philip from that passage preached Jesus. A God-called preacher, no matter where he is in the Word of God, he's going to make a beeline for the cross. He's going to preach Christ. And that's where we need to be. Now, they're riding on. And Philip's been preaching and preaching and preaching away. Start at verse 36. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. This was a geographic place. Maybe it was a pond. Maybe it was an oasis. But it wasn't just a little spoonful of water. Right? They came unto a certain water. And 
The eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Now, if all it took was a spoonful, he could have pulled out his canteen. Here's some water. But they came to a place. And they stopped that chariot. And they went down into the water. Both the man and the preacher. And he baptized him. And came up out of the water. You know, sometimes Hollywood will make a movie and you'll see John the Baptist and the guy playing Jesus and they, they get knee-deep in the water and he scoops up some water puts it on Jesus' head. Why bother? But uh, I guess they want to make everybody happy that they're in the river and still did what some people call baptism. Now, each of the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all tell us that Jesus went to John. Couldn't Jesus have baptized? Well, there's something pretty special told us about John. It's interesting. The people, for example, the people edited the book that you're going to read from, they talk a lot about John the Baptist in Matthew and Mark and Luke. I haven't found when they said anything about it in the Gospel of John. John chapter 1, the 6th verse says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And a lot of John chapter 1 is taken up with the ministry, the preaching, and the practice of baptism of John. Not John the Apostle, the one used of the Spirit to write down the book, but John the Baptist, this dear one. Now I want you to the only baptism that Jesus had. He walked over 60 miles. He didn't take a bus. He didn't say, let John come to me. You know, we can do that anywhere, anytime, by anybody. No. It was important because the only one by God authorized to baptize was this one we know as John. So he went to John and he was there baptized. Now, it's also true, but the author of the book, I'm going to show you here, does not reference this because when the Pharisees came to Jesus, and they said, by what authority? Because authority is important to know. By what authority do you say and do the things that you do? And if you'll go to Matthew 21, verse 25, or Mark 11, 30, or Luke 20, verse 4, in each one of those, Jesus asked a pointed question to them. People accuse me of asking a lot of questions. I don't do that, do I? But when Jesus was asked the question by the Pharisees, what authority, what business do you have saying and doing the stuff that you do? And he said, I've got a question for you. By what authority did John baptize? And it tells us in their heads are thinking, ooh, that's kind of tough. If we say it's a men, most of the people think that John really is authorized by God. So we don't want to upset the apple cart and say it's of men. But if we say it's of God, he's going to say, well, why didn't you listen to him? And so there's, um, we can't tell. Oh, well, in that case, I can't tell the answer to your question. See, the Lord is already, what, 18 steps ahead of him? He'd be, I wouldn't ever want to play chess with Jesus because he... He'd know everything about all those things. I want you to know that uh, the example we find in the Scripture is of immersion. Romans 6, 4, Colossians 2, 12 and 13, both make it very clear. The only picture, the only mode of baptism that fits the instruction of Scripture is that it is a burial. It says, buried with him in baptism. I've been to a lot of funerals. In fact, um, with the exception of playing the organ and being the corpse, I think I've done just about everything else you can be in a funeral. But I've never been to a funeral when they said, okay, we want to pay our last respects to so-and-so. And they just picked up a little dirt and threw it on his face. Okay, he's buried. No. They put them down deep. They cover them up complete, don't they? Amen. 
They don't leave their hands sticking out, do they? All the way under. When they're buried, you know, folks, sometimes he's dead and buried. Not only have they stopped breathing, but we put them down. And no man is going to get them back up because they they are dead. Somebody says, dead as a doorknob. Well, <laughs> dead as a doorknob. There's no life in it. That's why this ordinance has been adapted and abused. And many times it's over the issue of how it is done. Sometimes people say, well, uh, you'll be baptized for the purpose of being saved. Or you'll be baptized any way we think it is right. Uh, we had some folks we knew in Colorado. They said, now when they bring their baby in to be baptized, we tell them, now folks, we're not really baptizing the baby. We're baptizing the parents as proxies for the kids. You know, there's already a group that believes in proxy baptism. They're called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Once you get baptized, as they say, then you can look up your family tree. Well, Uncle Elmo, I don't know if he was baptized or not. Well, okay, today I'm going to be baptized for Uncle Elmo and Aunt Martha and all these other folks. And I go, I want to know about my ancestors. So, I can be, so they can make it to, to our heaven as well. See, so once you get away from this book, Katie barred the door. They just, and if your name is Katie, not another person I say, but that's the way it is. Now, we've talked about number one, the candidates. Who ought to be baptized? Only one with a professing faith in Jesus Christ. How should they be baptized? A complete immersion. That's like somebody said, so is a full bird colonel. There are no half bird colonels. There are no half-bird captains in the Navy. But uh, you either have the bird or, or you don't have the bird. But the reason, why? Well, I quoted Titus 3 a little bit ago. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. By the washing. You can't get that kind of washing in this tank. You can't get it if you go to the Saline River or the Colorado River. Or any other river, anywhere. And baptize somebody in the Pacific. It's the largest baptistry in the world. It is, but you could be dumped in the Pacific Ocean. And that won't wash away, you see. It's not the washing away the filth of the flesh. It's the washing of regeneration. That needs to be born again. And the renewing of the Holy Ghost. God has ordained it. The, the Son, of course, modeled it. And the Spirit is the one who works in the mind, in the heart, in the will. Gives us new life. Makes us a new creature. We're talking about Sunday school. See how Sunday school helps? It just sets me up. And that's great. That's great. I'd be missing out if I didn't come to Sunday school. So the reason. Now, should you be baptized if you're a believer? Well, it won't save me, will it? Oh, absolutely not. And so, well, then what's the big deal? Are you alive? Yeah. You want to eat today? Do I have to? Well, I don't think you'll die if you just skip today. But I think if you're alive, sooner or later, one of the signs of life is you have an appetite. You're going to eat. It's an evidence, folks. See, baptism is not a requirement for salvation. It's a result. It's not a condition to salvation. It's a consequence. You know, it's that old, don't get the heart, uh, the heart before the course or something like that. Oh, okay. Looks like I goofed again. All right, all right. Okay. So, so the way the Bible says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Yeah? And the second person, he that believeth not, shall be damned. So it makes it pretty clear to me that faith is what? Show me a scripture that he that isn't baptized, they don't make it. There's nothing that condemns the undumped. That's why old Baptists have said in the past, we should still say blood before water and Christ before the church. 
You can't be baptized in order to be saved. It doesn't finish the job like some people say. Now, I've been talking about Cody's going to help me. So I want, I want Cody to stand up in a minute and read something. From Acts chapter 8, we read through verse 36 because the eunuch asked Philip, What does hinder me to be baptized? Well, the Bible says, Gotta be a believer. They got the water, right place. But what about the candidate? Look at verse 37. And Philip said, This is what this preacher was faithful to say. If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered. See, that's the important thing. His answer was right. Baptists have always said the two critical things are the way of salvation and the way of baptism. Not because baptism saved, because, because if you're wrong on the way of, of salvation, then We've got a problem here. But if a person doesn't have scriptural baptism, I didn't have scriptural baptism when I was 10 years old, even though I had a certificate in my hot little hand from the XYZ neighborhood church. Because they didn't make any scripture on that. They said, if you're a believer, we will dunk you in our tank. And they did dunk me. 10 years old. I didn't know any better. In fact, I told one of the ushers, come on back here and dunk, 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 and I got a certificate to prove it. Somewhere my stuff is still unpacked. But it's, it's there. But I want you to know that the Lord gave the word. Now, I mentioned Andy L. Roy, his aunt, Judy. She, as a Presbyterian, had been sprinkled. When she was 20-ish, she was dunked by a Baptist church. She was a believer. She was dunked. But uh, we had another lady who presented herself for baptism. And I basically preached along these same lines the week before rather than the week of the baptism. And Judy's sitting out there in the crowd and she came, comes up to me and had a lot of questions. And she says, you know, I know the first one wasn't right because I wasn't saved and I wasn't dunked. But uh, the second time, I was saved and I was dunked. But I didn't understand anything about it. You know that's important? I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 21. I found that there are people who will play fast and loose with God's precious word. So I want you to see this. First Peter chapter 3, verse 21. If anybody knows anything about baptism, I think it's been Peter as the Spirit gave him utterance. Look at verse 21. And I've had people read the quote, first part of this verse quoted as if that answers well, the like figure were unto even baptism also now save us. Actually, it doesn't say baptism saves us in the sense that it grants you that new life or anything like that. Baptism is an image, it's an ordinance, it's a picture, it's a response that the believer makes. And that's why Peter says, and you need to read the whole verse, because the best commentary upon the scripture is the scripture. Not what Mr. Duflinky or Pastor So-and-so said. It's what the scripture says. What does it say? Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. If you were to think you were saved or just asked to be saved or if for any other reason you took somebody up in this tank or down to the river anywhere else and they got dirt on the outside and you dip them in the water and they come up, you know what you've done? You might have washed some of the dirt off the outside. But you don't affect the mind. You don't affect the heart. You don't affect the will. You don't affect the inner man. It's a demonstration. 
not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Now, in order to make the answer of a good conscience, you have to have a good conscience. And your conscience isn't right until you're right with God. Again, that's why you've got to have someone who's born again. That's why I told Andy Elroy, I can't, because he hadn't made a profession of faith. Folks, preachers who love the Lord, they love it when people say, the Lord has saved me. And first act of obedience is to be baptized. But that's why I've got to ask you, have you been born again? Have you been saved? What is your faith? You say, I just thought it would be a neat thing to do. Not the right answer. We gotta get right. Gotta be straight with the scripture. And so Miss Judy came to me and said, I know, I know, I was sprinkled number one. And then poured number two. But I didn't understand what baptism was all about. Would it hurt for me to be rebaptized? I said, Peter calls it the answer of a good conscience. That doesn't mean we need to all run out and just get, like the guy said in that song, rebaptized whether you need it or not. No, but, but if you didn't understand it when you were baptized, it would be good to understand what this is doing, what it pictures, why did you do it? Why is the subject to be this way? Because it shows. Now, it's interesting, the people who say baptism is what seals the deal, I asked one of these guys once, you know, it's interesting. In Acts 15, it says there were some of the Judaizers that you have to be circumcised to be saved. If baptism is such a big deal, why didn't anybody say you got to be baptized to be saved? It wasn't an issue back then. Circumcision was. It wasn't until a few generations later when they started to put the emphasis upon the act of baptism rather upon the baptizee or the baptizer. They thought about the, the place. They thought about that. And that's why our people were called Baptists. They were called Anabaptists, which they, they do it again. They're invalidating that sprinkling, that baptism that they got from <laughs> such and such a church. And it's interesting, so many of the reformers, they came right out of that church. And even though they said, we're not the same as the mama, but yet when they wanted to, when push comes to shove and they want to talk about authority, well, we get our authority through Rome. Mm. Let me tell you what, a true Baptist does not talk too much about Rome. We don't get our authority from the Pope. We don't get our authority from a council. We don't get our authority from a creed. We get our authority from God who sent John and Jesus himself went to John and when Jesus told his church to go and baptize, you know what they had? The baptism of John. When Judas dropped out and he was to be replaced, they said, we need somebody to succeed Judas. You know what they did? They said, let's meet. Let's see who the candidates are for a placement apostle. And what was one of the criteria? Beginning with the baptism of John. Protestants don't like to talk about John too much. Catholics don't like to talk about John too much. Sadly, a lot of Baptists today don't want to talk about John too much. And yet Jesus said, among those born of women, none greater than John the Baptist. And you know what John's attitude was? He looked at Jesus and he said, well, he's okay, but don't forget about me. No! He said, he must increase, I must decrease. And that ought to be our model as well. Our willingness to obey the Lord. That's why we were called Anabaptists. And our people said, don't call us Anabaptists. We're just Baptists. We, we do it the right way the first time. So who has the authority? Well, like I said, John had the authority to baptize. And it came directly from heaven. He did not have to pass go or collect $200. He got it straight from the Lord. That was the baptism that the Lord had. And like I said, he... He asked a question that really embarrassed those Jews when he said the baptism of John. Oh, uh, Cody, you've been patient. Would you please stand? 
When we moved to Memphis in 1982, among other things, I taught the Bible classes. And the man in charge said, this is the book we've been using. Would you hold up that book, please? It's called The Ministry of Christ, published by a union of Christian schools up Michigan way. And don't say anything negative about Michigan, because my wife was born there. But, you know what Yeah, I love it. But in this book, I looked through this book, don't say a whole lot about John the Baptist, but in the chapter that's based on Acts 8, talks about Philip and the eunuch, you know, he asked him, he said, what hindered me to be baptized? That's verse 36. Verse 38 says they stopped the chariot to baptize. The key verse is verse 37. That's when Philip said, do you believe? He says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's a very important verse. But if you don't believe in baptism of a believer and or by immersion and or to be the answer of a good conscience for God, that's 837 would make you very uncomfortable. You've got to change your theology or just change your Bible. Would you read that first question, please? Why was Acts 837 found in the King James Version added to the original text? See what they're doing? They're saying that that verse, Acts 837, Somebody, some sneaky guy came along and inserted that. It's not supposed to be there. Folks, you need to be careful about somebody says, well, that's not supposed to be in the book. The last chapter of the last book of the Bible says, there's a real warning. Anybody that adds to what it says in this book, if we read a creed or a council, or I or anybody else in a sermon says such and such, check it out with this book. If it doesn't square with this book, forget about it. If it does, don't forget about it. Take it very seriously. There's a warning against anyone who adds to this book. There's the same warning against anybody who takes away from this book. I saw that question, and I went straight to the pastor of the church. I said, brother, we don't need to use this book. Amen. It's a Christian book. Have you ever talked from this book? Well, we've had Bible teachers in the past and they never said anything about it. Well, I don't think they took the book very seriously. If, if we're going to pay good money to put stuff out there, it needs to be right. And I showed it to him and he studied on it and said, Brother Ray, you're, you're right. And I said, he said, so what do you propose? I said, well, we'll make up our own lesson. We can do it in-house. And we'll answer to the Lord. Not because we took from somebody else and just put it out there. And it's a lie. It's a destroyer of the faith. We want to stay on track. So the reason has to be. And interestingly, when the reformers, especially Mr. Calvin, that's why I kind of shy away from the C word. Because Calvin called our people radicals. You people are over the top. You Anabaptists out there. You, you make a big deal about baptism. Well, Jesus did. The apostles did. I think we're in pretty good company. So finally, the last thought. Who has the authority? Now, I tell you, when I was 10 years old, I was dumped. I was a believer. And I knew it wasn't going to save me. I knew it was an act of obedience. But the preacher at that place, he'd even get up and he'd say, by the way, anybody who wants to be baptized, just tell all the ushers, and they'll tell you, and we'll baptize you later. So this has nothing to do with joining the church. This is just an act of obedience. Well, you read Acts 2, and it says they believed, they were baptized, they were joined in the church. That's good enough for me. So people need to think before they speak. So those embarrassing questions, if you will, can come up. And Christ charged his church with this commission so long ago here in our text. Now, I don't want to talk bad about church, but it was a church. They were all messed up. 
And they were in a Greek city called Corinth. Corinth, it was wild and crazy. They did pretty much what they got the urge, and then they said, well, it'll be okay. They had a guy in the church who was being immoral with his stepmom. And they thought they were broad-minded. Who are we to judge? Hey, he, the spiritual, judges all things, he said in chapter 2. He says, you ought to exclude that person. They have no business being a member of the Lord's church. Now, after a while, evidently they took Paul seriously and they did exclude him. But then, when the guy repented and came back, they said, Paul didn't say anything about letting you back in. Nope, nope, nope. And so Paul wrote 2 Corinthians. And he says, he that comes, they make repentance and admit them back and not to doubtful disputations. There's a whole sermon there I'm not going to preach this morning, but uh, there are some people that put you on the watch care list because you're on probation. You know what, folks? We're all on probation. That's right. If I go out tomorrow and do something shameful, a disgrace to the cause of Jesus Christ, I would deserve to be excluded from this church. But you're the pastor. Yeah, I really ought to be dealt with. No, I don't answer to a board of directors. I don't answer to a presbytery. I don't answer to the Pope. I answer to God and to this church. You know that? I know that. I hope you know that. By the way, so do you. So, I had a deacon once in the church. Well, I, once I've been made a deacon, I'm, I'm a deacon forever. Oh, well, uh, that could change. Well, preachers come and go, but deacons, you know, you can be undeaked too. It would be good if you deaked, just a deacon. But I want to say something good about the Corinthians to close. In chapter 11, yeah, they messed up on quite a few things. And, uh, this book really reams them out. Paul, Paul lays it on the line. But he has something good to say in chapter 11. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances. You take it seriously to do what a church ought to do about the ordinances. Now we don't have 25 ordinances we have two. One of them we take care of up here in this tank. The other one we've got carved in that table. This is something that we can do again and again and again as often as you do it. You can show forth the Lord's death. The Lord died. And the way we show that and remind each other and rejoice in Christ Jesus is by the Lord's table. Communion, the Lord's Supper. But before you can talk about other things, you know, you think about his death, but what about his burial and his resurrection? Romans 6, Colossians 2, we are buried with him in baptism, raised in newness of life. Did the Corinthians always get it right? No. But what's the one thing that Paul commends them for? You keep the ordinances. It does make a difference. It's not something to be sloppy about. Literally, the Greek authorities I consulted said, what he's saying when he says keep the ordinances, it's be stingy with. You don't just let it out. Now, I don't mean to sound harsh, but I've got to be right. If you came to see and he said, no, listen, I, I got this fellow in he wants to be baptized. Is he saved? Well, you know how it is. No, I don't. How is it? Well, he goes to church. He put a quarter in the plate one. Uh -huh. oh. That's not such a big deal there. But the point is, does he have a credible profession? Does he profess Jesus Christ as his Savior? Well, he believes in Jesus. And he believes in Buddha. And he believes in Muhammad. They believe in John F. Kennedy. Anyway. No, does he believe in Jesus and Jesus alone? Is Jesus Christ his personal Lord and Savior? Well, I don't want to say that or not, but I have to say no. Well, you're the preacher. If you won't baptize him, we'll get rid of you. And 
get somebody who will. I know of a church in Oklahoma. They came to the pastor. He'd been there 30 years. And they said, we got this guy. He came in and he said, well, does he have scriptural baptism? What difference does that make? It makes all the difference in the world. He can't be admitted as a member of this church if you don't have scriptural baptism. Now, we can't save somebody, but if somebody says, I don't think I have scriptural baptism, guess what? Look, kid, he got it already filled and warmed up. Warmed and filled. That's a good way to be warmed and filled. We have a place. We can take care of that. But he didn't want to be re-baptized. They said, we don't want to make him uncomfortable. He might go someplace else. We have got to be stingy with the ordinances. You might want to be stingy. You don't want to be so liberal that you have a, I'm so open-minded. I'm holding my hand. I don't have good sense. No, we need to do what the Lord says. And so even if we're not perfect, which, guess what, we're not. Well, even if I'm not perfect, I know I'm not. You can tell me so. I already know that. It doesn't hurt me to be reminded. We've got to be right. Otherwise, take down the sign. Say we're the community or the feel-good church or something else. We want to be known as the Lord's people in this place. We've got to hold to the stand. That's why when Mr. Sky came down this aisle last week, he told me he was saved. And I said, praise God. Amen. Twice in Luke 15 it says, there's joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repents. I know people take that different ways, but I don't think I'm off the beam to say, here's another one who has come. We should rejoice. It should thrill us. Somebody says, let me show you my car in the parking lot. Nice car. Okay. It won't get you to heaven. It might get you your job and get you home, but it won't get you to heaven. But I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. Well, that's, that's what's important. That's why tonight, I'll have a Bible with me, the Lord willing, and I'll read a verse or two, but the real preaching will be what I do. I've got a, two or three fellows that say they're going to help me get in that tank because I need some help. But uh, I'm not going in there for a swim. I'm going in there to obey my Lord and follow an example. Folks, it's the church that says we, we're going to do this. We had, a, we had an emergency business meeting Wednesday night because I didn't formally address that to the church. So a motion was made and seconded, discussed and voted on, and it was unanimously declared by all the church members that are present that were baptized. And so, 6 o'clock, you won't see me in a tie. You won't see me in a belt or these things. But uh, the important thing is to follow the Lord in baptism. Mm -hmm.